welcome to Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just defined the relationship. Good morning, Seeds Community. Welcome to, uh, I have no idea what number episode we're on. <laughs> Even I have lost track. <laughs> but uh, welcome to Define the Relationship. Um, this podcast has become maybe a little bit more uh, sporadic, but uh, this morning uh, we are joined by Joan Funk. Uh, so welcome, Joan. Hello. <laughs> To have, uh, and I'm I'm here again. Oh too. hi, oh hi. hi I'm Ted. <laughs> um, so yes, and I'm Darlene. You're looking at me like you need to introduce yourself, but it's been so long we've forgotten how to do this. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, and and I'm we're here this morning to have a very intentional conversation about a community process. Um, that we have really been involved in for over a decade at Seeds around our relationship and friendship with the LGBTQ plus community. And um, as our podcast is called Define the Relationship, I think um, to put it in those terms for, you know, over 10 years, we've been having intentional periods of talking about what so how do we define this relationship and what are the obstacles to relationship and how do we think about deepening our relationship um and so that's the this podcast today this episode is in preparation for a congregational conversation that we're having on february 13th and it's the preparation for a document that's going to be coming out this weekend, um, kind of outlining the history of our relationship, our conversation, and some of the next steps that we want to take together. Um, so today is hopefully just allows Joan and Ted and I to um, speak more informally and ask each other some questions um, to kind of stir the stir the pot so to speak and and allow you as listeners to think about what is your relationship been and what's the story what's what's your story and and how can we move together with with purpose um at seeds one of our I mean our three anchors that we keep coming back to is fostering relationships and taking time to listen and moving with purpose. And so the connection of all three of those things, um, relationship and listening and moving with purpose, really informs kind of where we're at right now and wanting to, feeling like we really want to take that next step. Um, at times, this conversation has been like very much at the forefront, at the foreground of, of the community life and and discernment and other times it's been more at the background and we've let other things kind of come to the forefront um so this is a season i think we're we're wanting to put this on the front burner and and make some 
um, specific purposeful movements. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit of the introduction. Um, Ted, did I leave anything out? No, I mean, there's so many things that we could could talk about. I mean, I think we're going to spend some time talking about the context that this conversation is happening in, um, both um, as our congregation, but I think we need to think about the larger history of the Christian church and how the church has defined its relationship to the queer community. And um, so we're going to do some of that. And, um, and then we want to talk a bit more specifically about, about how we see some next steps as a community and uh, in particular to define the relationship maybe with a bit more clarity than we have Mm -hmm. in the past. So, um, and maybe it's fair to also begin this conversation um, kind of acknowledging that it's a sensitive, vulnerable conversation for, for most people and us included. Uh, We want to speak carefully and thoughtfully and um we are aware of you know still having things to a lot to learn and um so we will likely make mistakes in how we talk and so just kind of accepting a measure of grace for ourselves and hoping and asking that of you as well and as you listen, but also feel free to hold us accountable to what we say and what we don't say. And, um, so yes, I'm particularly grateful that Joan, that you've joined us, Joan, and are willing to kind of put yourself in a, in a vulnerable position and share a bit of, um, your own journey and story and, um, just really, uh, acknowledge that, uh, courage, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. So, and I, and I want to say that we've invited Joan here because, um, she's been a part of the seeds community for, um, much longer than a decade and has been a part of leadership and also has, you know, walked her own, um, journey in this, in this regard. And so, just having another voice to to share and interact with. Go ahead, you. No, I I was just going to say that, I mean, we don't have these formal categories like deacon and lay ministers in our community, (laughs) although it's been something in the tradition of our church. I mean, Joan and her husband, Cal, I mean, to me, they're the closest thing to our our lead deacons in the church. Oh, wow. You know, but that's, you know, in my heart, that's how I see it. And um, I don't know if Joan likes that. No, I don't think Joan likes it at all. There's visions of something yeah, in the past. There's probably some some baggage with those terms. But I think for that, what, what that means for us is just uh, wise, discerning, um, intentional leaders and um, and people who care about our community and the people in it. So, um you're a great person to have thoughts about this because, um, yeah, you, you've, you've approached uh, leadership in our community with a lot of care and especially on this issue. So um, it's not an issue. It's a conversation. I see so this is where I really struggle um, personally because growing up in the church, um, LGBTQ inclusion was sort of like an issue that was on the table for 
our community. And um, I don't know when, how old I was when I started becoming aware of it. I think I became more aware of it as an as something um, that needed to have conversation around it and where I started to understand the exclusion of queer folk in our, in our church communities was when I was a teenager. And, um, and it feels like ever since then, that's like over, you know, 40, 40 years. Um, this has been an ongoing thing in my thinking about what it means to be the church. And, uh, in some ways I feel like, boy, um, I'm not sure how much we've really moved as church communities in terms of being more inclusive and welcoming of LGBTQ people. So it's um, I sometimes look back and I feel a little bit of a little bit of shame and um, you know how how slow sometimes things have moved and uh, and what impact that's had on people. And these are people in our families. These are people that are in our friendship groups and they're in our, our larger community. Um, so they're not they're not people that are kind of um, somewhere else. They're right. They're us. They're us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so where do we want to want to start with a bit of context uh, from the seed standpoint or where do you want to start, Darlene? You well, can... just as you were talking, it made me think, oh, that'd be an interesting question. Like where... Where did you first begin to have a relationship with um, LGBTQ inclusion or exclusion? I don't know if that's a good place to start, but maybe it's an interesting question. Yeah, for sure. Because when you were talking, I was thinking about, well, for me, it was 1986 at the Saskatoon denominational, like, conference Mennonite church uh, wasn't called conference Mennon- of Mennonites Mennonite in Canada <laughs> that's it thank you <laughs> and that was 1986 right? yeah I went to Saskatoon and and it was that I guess that's the latest confession of faith that was one of the confession of faith um, conversations and and where that was put on the table. And I remember sitting in this room and hearing stories. It was the first time that I had heard a story of a, a gay person and and their, um, their history in the church and their feelings of exclusion. And yeah, that was a very impactful time for me. And that was like, okay. I, I, it was like I'd never really heard of that before. Mm-hmm. So. so you were a teenager as well. Yeah. How about you, Joan? So. Yeah, there would be two things that stick out for me, and that wouldn't be from the church perspective necessarily. It's more of a, I was in a skating club, and uh, we we had the one lonely boy in our skating club. Hmm. Our kind, gentle-hearted soul, and looking back, I wonder if he was part of that community, and I'm pretty sure he was. And I've heard since that he he uh, passed away, and I don't know what the circumstances were, but I have often wondered what that experience was like for him, and both on and off the ice. And then the second would be a high school, not in high school, but a high school friend in my younger adult years, um, chose 
to pursue a same-sex relationship. And she always said it was a choice. Hmm. And she was just trying it. And I that has often... I'm confused still about that. And, and it's not a big thing for me, but that that kind of affirmed some of my notions back then of hmm. what what uh what my if you want to call it stance was about the community the lgbtq plus community so those would be two of the first experiences mm-hmm. yeah. interesting yeah well why don't i i want to talk a little bit about the seeds the seeds view um on this conversation and our perspective and talk a little bit about how seeds has processed important matters and conversations as a church since its inception in in the year 2000. And so um, one of the things that we have spent quite a bit of our energy on being a certain type of church, and that is we use the language of um, we want to be a center set church, not a bounded set church. And I think I don't want to say too much about explaining the differences, but really a bounded set um, organization is one that sets very clear uh, beliefs, guidelines that need to be adhered to to be a part of the community that adheres to those things. And so um, a very like fenced in kind of organization. And so there's gates. And um, if you want to be a part of the community, you need to enter the gate. And there's probably a gatekeeper who says, Um, what do you think about this? Do you believe this? Um, If you believe that, then you're not welcome to to come in the gate. There's a a protection of the community. And uh, to to a greater or lesser extent, I think a lot of um, our church organizations have been those type of gatekeeping um, organizations. It's been my experience. I grew up in in a church that had some of that gatekeeping. And... um, when we began Seeds, um, although I don't think it was, was super conscious at the time that when we began, but we started to realize that we wanted to be a community that was quite clear about our focus on following Jesus, making Jesus real, and putting that at the center of our community, and not putting a lot of energy into developing fences around what it means to be part of the community. We and so the center set part of um, our understanding was that we wanted to put the life of Jesus in the center, and we want to invite people towards that. And um, we didn't need boundaries to say, well, you're in this church or not. We want to focus on, are you, come and, come and join us in, in focusing on Jesus, following Jesus. Would you like to do that? And Um, people at some point could be very, very far away from that focus, but their attention would be turned towards the center. And so they would be moving with purpose towards that center. And other people, in fact, could be seen to be very close to that center, but they're, they might at the, at a a point in time be looking away from that and moving away from it. And so, um, this is part of the dynamic of a community. And so the reason I'm starting with that is because, when it came to the conversation around LGBTQ+, um, there was a real reticence in our leadership to come 
to a clarified statement about inclusion or not inclusion because we just felt like we didn't want to do that with other conversations that were important to people in this world and to the church. And um, this particular conversation also fit in with that. And I think just to jump in a bit, that we didn't want to make it an issue, like, and I'm using air quotes here, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like this is an issue that we're going to decide on. Um, Same with other Mm -hmm. issues. We don't want to be kind of fixated on issues. We want to be in relationship with people. And I I just want to say that, I mean, you described that really well. And it's a nuanced conversation. It's not like there aren't any boundaries, but it wasn't like the, you have, in order to belong here, you have to like tick these boxes. Right. Yeah. And so it, yeah, it's very important to say that this does not keep us from being clear about certain things. Like we've had a situation um, where, there was a breakdown of a marriage that was a part of our, our congregation. And it was very difficult for one of the people in that relationship to continue to attend our congregation. If the other person in that relationship was continuing to attend, it was a, there was a, um, a real obstacle there. And because of the circumstances of that situation, we, we actually approached one of the people in that relationship and said, we would, ask you to attend somewhere else for a period of time so that it would be possible for the other person to continue to attend. And so that was, in a way, we were being very clear about something, and yet we weren't saying that they they were excluded from the community yeah. in, a, in a total way. So, In other words, it's a nuanced conversation. Yeah. It's not yeah. like there's no boundaries or there's like, or it's like a rigid boundary, right. but it's, yeah. Right. So, so that being said, we did feel very strongly that this was a conversation that we needed to have as a congregation, that we needed to be thinking about how we defined a relationship because um, people were in our community and around us. And um, we wanted to honor their experience and also especially the exclusion that they had experienced in the past. Because if we're quite honest, the story of LGBTQ plus in the church for thousands of years has been one of primarily exclusion. Um, be it psychologically and um, kind of sort of like how they how they were being treated, or it could come to to you know specific things like well could they serve in the church? Could they be leaders in the church? Um, you know real important, um, full participation, um, issues in the church. So, um, so that's has been the case. And we wanted to engage this conversation in a way that would make space for more inclusion. And so how we did that, I mean, the document we're going to share coming out later this week is going to have the timeline, but back in 2013, we started the conversation with our leadership group at our retreat early in the year, 2013. And we worked through a a study called Love is an Orientation, which um, was not a study of asking the question, what does the Bible say about this? 
It was more a conversation about how do we have a good conversation about um, that in, that includes our voices and the voices of the LGBTQ community. And so it was it was a very good conversation. The, the one thing that still stands out for me from that conversation was an emphasis on elevating the conversation that we were having. Um, elevating to me meant honoring people's perspective, recognizing that people were at very different places in engaging this conversation and making space to hear the stories of LGBTQ. I, I. <laughs> LGBTQ. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is becoming a tongue twister for me. Um, allowing the voices of the queer community to speak. That's easier. Hear their experiences yeah. of being in the church, their faith life. And, um, and Joan, making, you were make, part of... Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, making space for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were part of that, Joan. I what, was, what, yeah. Tell us a little bit about about what that was like for you. The retreat? The retreat or, yeah, just the beginning of that conversation through love as an orientation. Right. Um, There's a few things that come up. I like everything in my life that that pushes me to grow. I was I entered into a lot of that with with a lot of fear, I think, or yeah, it would have been fear. Just didn't really want to be challenged, I guess, in that way. Or I just thought I had made. I have my stance and this is where I am. And so that comes up for me too. But I also remember thinking I loved the idea of elevating the conversation hmm. because I was never, no matter what I thought or believed, I was never comfortable with with somebody feeling uh, shamed or excluded or that never felt like Jesus. So... There was a piece of me that really loved thinking about it that way, and it it helped me change my own inner inner conversation first. So, what would so. have been your conversation? What would have been your inner conversation to start? To start, um, yeah. How much do I say? <laughs> so, a previous church that we attended, I went to a conference that was essentially led by someone who used to be gay and and was healed and now wasn't right and so air quotes yes <laughs> definitely um and and so that's what i was coming to this conversation with there was um things that were said and i guess even some facts that he had that showed that this is these are all the things that get put in place for someone to choose this lifestyle like everything from you know having a domineering mother and on and on mm-hmm. and and so it fed what i already thought i believed like this is a choice and there's a way out and we have to love them through this and help them heal air quotes again mm-hmm. and so that's what I was coming to this conversation at the retreat with. And yeah, so maybe there was fear about having that all turned upside down to some degree. That doesn't mm-hmm. come 
it's like pulling weeds. It pulls up lots more than just the weed, right? Like, mm-hmm. So it just, it was a, a, a little bit of a difficult thing to open myself up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and say more about like that was the beginning and then what happened as as the conversation progressed for myself yeah yeah um I liked the idea of um I think it was through love as an orientation or maybe some of the other things that I started reading but the the idea that we're for the person Mm -hmm. And it's not an issue. We're for the person. Like, I don't have to take a stand. Mm. Am I for, against? I'm for the person. Mm. And so I think that was kind of a gateway for me to understand it differently and to make room for individuals and not the community as an issue. Mm. Right? But it was a long process. I'm a kind of a gut person, and so it... It uh, slowly changed over time, and I can't even tell you exactly what all came into play. There's a few, I guess, milestones that I can point to. But my own inner conversation started changing and getting to know people Mm -hmm. that are in that community, Mm. right? And now are part of my community. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the, the biggest thing that changes things. You have a face, in Love as an Orientation, I remember reading something about how we, as the the church, uh, take a stand and then keep our distance. Hmm. And I think that would describe me, and maybe that was why this was so painful. I, I could no longer keep my distance, because that's when things change, mm-hmm. right? And that's hard. And... When you when you're saying kind of that very beginning, like that vulnerability of like if I step into this conversation, my world my worldview is gonna get mm-hmm. shaken and there's something that feels probably very like don't do that. Right? Like yeah. protective. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Feels very scary. Well, yeah, and I think a piece of it is also uh, uh, looking at scriptures differently than Mm. I used to, right? Mm. There's a lot of learning to do there. Mm. So literal versus what does it really, what Mm -hmm. is it really saying? Who is this saying being said to and who's writing it? And Mm -hmm. Right? And that was part of that retreat too. We took a a look at different perspectives on, Mm -hmm. on scripture and that can change so much like so that's very vulnerable too if mm-hmm. those things change what else mm-hmm. can change right but that's another conversation yeah. <laughs> yeah if you could just just i know we'll get back to the timeline but if you could just describe like you sort of described what you came into that conversation with can you describe what it felt like do you remember oh. what it felt like at the yeah. end of this or oh at the end of the retreat well either yeah like I know it, it sounds like I can, I can feel that it was visceral mm-hmm. for you to begin the conversation. But when you walked, when you went home at the end of that week, weekend, what did you feel? I think I would, have, would describe it as a different kind of hope. Hmm. 
mm-hmm. for myself and for that that conversation in my head, I guess. Maybe looking back, I have different language now than I did then, but maybe that was a little bit of a... Um, where the true self versus false self started awakening. Hmm. Like false self is built on lots of things that you think are true, but that was slowly starting to get knocked away a, hmm. a little so the true self could emerge. I didn't have that language then, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's, that was... Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I, when we start having these conversations, just how vulnerable it can be, especially when we've changed our minds on things. And um, changing our minds is not a really something that we see a lot of. It, it feels like that where people said, like, I thought this and now I think something different. And uh, um, so thanks for sharing that, Joan. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on this on this timeline of stuff, but I think sort of the rhythm that we took in seeds was to start the conversation with our leadership group and basically bring leadership through a process and then inviting the congregation to join a similar process. And so we did that in January, 2013, as we just talked about. And then that spring we, um, we stepped into the, the same love as an orientation conversation with our congregation and then that began um, a little bit later. Um, I think it was uh, in January 2016. So three years later at another leadership retreat that we did, we started to, I think, maybe push the envelope a little bit and started to, um, we felt like the conversation had been elevated in a way that it was a very growthful, fruitful conversation in our community. And we started to ask questions about what it would look like to be more clearly inclusive as a congregation. And so um, we were led by some of the work that a congregation in the state of Washington, Eastlake Community Church, who was doing, um, the context for them was they had announced that they were becoming a clearly affirming congregation. And um, this was quite significant because it was a very large evangelical congregation that was making this statement. And then they, after making the announcement, they did quite a bit of conversation talking about why they came to this point. And um, so they had a process called In This Together. And um, it's a bit difficult to get access to some of those um, conversations. We, we watched videos of... Um, particular um, teachers, academics, biblical scholars who talked about um, about this, heard stories of families who had tragic circumstances because they had difficulty accepting um, someone who was queer in their own family and how that shifted for them um, significant ways. And uh, it was both a uh, kind of a theological academic conversation about how we see this differently, we should see it differently, and also very much the relational and the heart piece of what it is like for people to experience exclusion. And so uh, we did that again as a leadership, and it I think it moved us even more 
as a, as a, a leadership. And then we did the same thing again with our congregation that spring. And then, um, I believe at the time we continue to think that it would be counterproductive and not what we were hoping to do to come up with some kind of statement of inclusion as a congregation. But we did make a conscious, um, we did make a conscious practice as we, I think it was fall of 2015 where we started doing weekly communion. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that's like almost seven years ago. It's hard to remember because in this COVID time we've, uh, gone back to not being able to do communion very often. And um, so we were very strongly emphasizing an open table at that time and continue to do since that time. And we made verbal pronouncements from the table about who was welcome at the table. And it was clear that um, everybody, everybody was invited to the table if they desired to eat the bread and drink the cup. And so um, I think we started to signal, you know, with our words that this, this was an inclusive con- congregation and that there was space for, for people, even LGBTQ plus people. That w- we made that very clear at that time. And, um, and I think that kind of brings us to the last number of years. We celebrate our 20th birthday in January 2020. Part of that, we've been been having conversations as a leadership and as a community talking about what the next 20 years would look like. And it became a very strong theme as we recalled and remembered what it had meant to be the, the Seeds Church over the last 20 years and what we desired the next 20 to look like. Um, the desire to be open, inclusive, diverse, um, making sp- space for marginalized community was a very strong theme in our leadership and also in our congregation as we talked about it. And it seemed to become clear to us that it probably, um, in the last number, maybe in the last year or two, we've started to realize that we might have seen it not so clearly thinking about not making a more clarified statement. And um, I think one of the things behind that was we saw that making space for diverse voices in a conversation was very important. But at some point you realize that um, when you aren't clear enough, people who are actually harmed by exclusion or are concerned about will they be included, will they be accepted, if you aren't clear about to them that they are accepted, then um, you're doing damage to them. Um, and a generic inclusion welcome does not do enough to make a safe space for people. And so we started to think that it was maybe time to talk about making a more inclusive statement that says clearly. And that's the reason why we're meeting on February 3rd to talk about that intent that we have as leadership. So that's kind of the, the timeline. Um, would now be a good time to say what we're intending to propose? I think that was February 13th, right? Yeah, not, what did not I third. Say? Oh, sorry. There you go. I'm still 
detail oriented. Joan Sorry. was our assistant for a long time, and she's recently retired. But uh, you can take the assistant out there of the go. job, but you can't take the job out of the assistant or however you see. Sorry, appreciate that. Yeah, because that would be tomorrow. Yeah, I think we're not ready for that tomorrow. No. <laughs> I think. Um... Oh, forget it. Do you want to add some, anything to what, what I said about that timeline, or you want to you want to say no, I, something differently? I was I was just thinking. I don't know if it's important to say, but up until that point, I feel like any time we entered into conversations, we always talked about like whether it was leadership teams at a retreat or with the congregation. And you ask the question, well, what's our hope? What's our, what's our goal? What's our, what do we want to come out of this? And never, I don't think we ever said our goal is to come up with the answer. Like, what is our answer? What Mm -hmm. is the, is, is it right or is it wrong? Is it, you know, um, that was off the table. And I think that is really, was really important in creating space for people like you, Joan, like anybody to say, this is where, this is where I am. This is what it does in my gut. Like we, I remember we started that, that weekend just saying like, what's going on inside for you as we begin this conversation and just the different, the diversity of what was going on for people. It's like, bring, bring that, bring where you are right now and where you are is, is absolutely you know, welcome and accepted. Mm-hmm. And let's let's move from there because when we invite the Spirit of God to join us, then ultimately we will we'll be moved, you know, and 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 I think we were we were moved. And so I don't think there was ever a time where we said, okay, now we have now we have the answer. You know? Right. We're we're in this to look for the right answer and now we have it. Um but over time, I think it's also safe to say that we understood that this is who we are. So when we started to, to uh, you know, verbalize at the table that, that, that our friends and community, LGBTQ community members are welcome at the table, that is who we are. This is... That doesn't mean that everybody agrees or that we've kind of come to a consensus about, you know, everybody's in the same place. But as a community of faith, as a community of faith with Jesus as the center, it was, we had clarity around everybody Mm -hmm. needs to, this is who we are. This is the DNA of our church community that we are inviting people to faith in Jesus and that includes everybody (laughs) yes so it's kind of a picture of center set church really Hmm. when you think of it everybody's on a different place if you're if you're talking about your relationship with Jesus as a the center of it everybody's in a different spot Mm mm-hmm or on a different place in that journey, right? Same with this, mm-hmm. this same thing. And it doesn't, no matter where you are, doesn't exclude you mm-hmm. from any of, from from being there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As long as you're, you want to be there, you can be there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's very true. 
Do you want to say, Darlene, a little bit about, um, so maybe it'd be good just to say, like, what we're intending to do um, as a leadership is to make a formal statement that, I mean, where it's going to, where the rubber's going to hit the road is that statement's going to be on our website and it's going to be a way of communicating to people who have never been to Seeds or have just started um, relating to Seeds Church, you know, where we sit in relationship to this very important conversation. And so what we're proposing is a statement that says this, and it's a very inclusive statement, and um, it says, Seeds Church, in its mission to make Jesus real, that's our center, welcomes all people, regardless of racial or ethnic identity, sexual orientation or gender identity, physical or mental ability, and marital or economic status. Pretty straightforward. And um, although this is another area of conversation, we, have, we also want to make a formal acknowledgement of the treaty land that we sit on as a congregation and where we live and our commitment to reconciliation. That's a, that's a conversation for another day. And um, we also are planning on having some kind of visual representation of both of those commitments and specifically to our inclusion of the queer community, some form of either rainbow flag or, um, I mean, there's, there's different types of flags, but we want to do something that visually um, signals this perspective. Do you want to say a little bit, Darlene, about how um, I think part of our process more recently is how creating space for people to have a conversation is a very including um, sort of posture. But there is a bit of a, there is a dark side to that open posture where you make space for people to have a conversation without saying where you stand is that it puts a lot of onus on people who have felt excluded in the past. And um, do you want to say a little bit about that? I think one of the ways that we've changed is um, like in thinking about, well, we don't need to make statements um, because that will just serve to divide like we we were worried about it just kind of like when you as soon as you make a statement then it forces people to uh, say i agree with that statement or i disagree with that statement and yet it it is the marginalized um in all areas but in this particular conversation it is the marginalized that uh, in the lgbtq community that bear the weight of it um and we're not willing for them to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's a commitment to stand in solidarity with those that have been excluded and marginalized and to, to not kind of make you have to figure it out that we're welcoming to you. We need to be explicit about it. That's kindness in that in this regard that we need you to know that you're going to be safe here and we will guard that and doesn't mean that everybody's in the same place 
in the community, but it means that the community as a whole will guard your, mm-hmm. your welcome in this place. Mm-hmm. And that your welcome means full welcome. It means full participation. It is already. That's what it is. That's, it's who we are. Um, and we need people to know that. And, and part of getting to that point, point has been talking to our friends, both within the Seeds community and outside of the Seeds community, to say, what would you need to do if you, need, if you were looking for a church? Um, what would you need? And it just was like across the board, a basic need is like to know that you're going to be safe. And as a privileged um, person in the heteronormative community, I did get that in the mm-hmm. same way. I just, mm. I didn't realize how absolutely critical it was. So that's, I think that's really what's motivating this next step. Mm-hmm. For Yeah. And maybe in some ways what's happening is some, one of the motivations that maybe this is a bit of a shadow motivation when we talk about wanting to be center set is that it doesn't force us to bear discomfort right of disagreement yeah and we put the burden of the disagreement that exists on people who are already experiencing the burden of exclusion the burden of rejection um the burden of being kicked out of their family be it their church family or their actual family, these are these are these aren't just uh, sto- fictions. Like yeah, these are things that happen daily. It's actual safety, like yeah. physical, physical safety at times, physical, yeah. emotional, spiritual um, safety. Yeah, and so in some ways, we are taking some of that burden of discomfort, and um, we're taking it upon ourselves and saying, "Okay, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take." some of that load we're gonna we're gonna um focus on creating a safe space for for you and your community you're part of us and uh it may mean that it'll put a bit of a an onus on us to to deal with that any thoughts joan that you have like what what uh oh i think it's it's time. It's if it's who we are, it's who we need to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, we need to say who we are. Um I don't know if this is relevant so you can edit this out if you want to later, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> um I remember you asking and maybe I was part of vision team then, but mm-hmm. you asking the question if if somebody asked you to officiate at a a wedding of same-sex couples, what what would you what would we say if you wanted to do that? I think that was mm-hmm. the question. Yeah. And I remember asking our cell group, a few people from our cell group, about that. And one response came back and said, "Well, if you don't say yes, that's being very hypocritical at this point." Um, you. this is who we are now. This is who we say we are. And so we have to. So it's a kind of the next step 
in all kinds of ways, right? So I mm-hmm. I don't know if that's relevant or not, yeah. but no. somehow that that and that came from a person who had a very much of a similar journey to mine. Mm-hmm. So I remember you telling me about that and yeah. just being shocked that that this person said that. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like you have to. Yeah. yeah. Is, otherwise you're not living up to your values. Yeah. Yeah. And I have no idea where they are on that journey, the person who said that. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. that's the response that came and yeah. so that, Yeah, I was I was yeah. very much thinking of that same that same meeting and I think from Darlene and our perspective, we were we were quite cognizant of the potential to be asked that question. Mm-hmm. And um so anyway, so anyway, when we came to our vision team, we were cognizant of the reality that when we get asked to marry people on a regular basis, I might add, um, we do not bring that question to our leadership and say, are we okay to marry this couple? Yeah. And we did not want to be in a position where we had to put a, a bookmark on a conversation and say, okay, just hold that thought. We need to go have a conversation with our leadership before we say yes to this ask. We wanted to be able to say with confidence that we could say yes based on our discernment to, to do that like we do with every couple that we've been asked to marry. And um, and it just felt like when we came with that question that the leadership answer was very similar to what you heard in your cell group was, well, this is who we are. Why would we why would we not do this? And so um, that represents a congregational community that's internalized a way of thinking about inclusion. And now it's time for us to make clear what is internalized in our community. And um it actually feels beautiful to be able to do that because we're making clear something that is in our community. We're not um, faking it till we make it. Mm. Although doing this will probably put us into, you know, a, a journey of learning more and, um, you know, finding out what that means to be an inclusive community and um, in our world today. So... Thanks for sharing that. I'm glad you actually were thinking about that because it was in the back of my mind <laughs> as we were having this conversation today. What, I think that's what do we want to? How do we want to close this off? I I was thinking that we have not said anything today about theological values or theological beliefs in relationship to this conversation, and I just wanted to, if it's not clear, wanted to make clear that um, a major central belief of the Christian church is that we are to love God with all our heart, mind, strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And to do those two things um, in relationship to this leads us to where we want to go as a congregation. This is central to who we are as people who follow Jesus. And when Jesus says this is the most important thing to do, we believe that To love God means to love everything that God has created with our whole heart, mind, and strength, including God. And to love our neighbors in a way that we would want to be loved. And that means to be included, to be honored for who we are, 
and what makes us tick. And I think, uh, so although we haven't talked a lot about the Bible or about theology, I mean, this is really undergirding this conversation for us. And uh, this is a faith move that we're making. Yes. And part of the document that will come out is... um is a list of, you know, resources that we have um, used. And if people want to continue to study further and um, there'll be opportunities for that. And, and I hope this, you know, allows opportunities for more open conversation. Um, It, it, it most certainly is a, a, a step it's a theological uh step it's a faith step mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah so we would urge you to join the conversation specifically on february the 13th at ten forty-five. we are intending to meet in person at the exchange on that day first time in a little bit again and um, but we will also have a live stream yes. option if you want to participate that way yeah so thank you joan for my pleasure joining us i can say that now (laughs) yeah you're pretty much a natural joan yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you have any final words of oh wisdom or uh can i quote something from a from the love is an orientation book yes when we hear these polarizing debates start to arise then instead of bracing ourselves for a debate we should take we should take a step back and assess the situation, and always err on the side of meekness in spirit and conduct. Mm. That's being, I'm saying that mostly to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but if that resonates with anyone else out there, then that, those are my parting words. Good words to end on. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope you join us on February 13th. And as usual, email or text us questions and feedback see you see you later bye bye